Welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough, and with me today is the Medical Director of McKesson Health Solutions. That's Dr. Doug Muller, and Doug is going to be talking with us a little bit about discovering the unseen risks of DNA testing. So there's a lot of words in there. DNA testing is exciting. Risks, of course, frighten all of us in healthcare. And discovering, trying to find out what they are, implies that, well, we may not really know what these risks are. So tell me a little bit about these unseen risks and as you perceive it. Probably the most important risk are unexpected findings. Uh, those can be in two groups, uh, medical uh, findings that are uh, diseases or disorders or potential diseases or disorders that the individual being tested doesn't know about. And more recently, uh, uh, in some of the uh, settings where people are looking at genealogy and family history, there are unexpected social and family findings of finding out that there are uh, relatives in the family that no one ever heard of. It's got to be really interesting from your perspective, but tell me a little about yourself. I do know, you know, from your bio that obviously you work with McKesson Health Solutions. You also are a board-certified general internist, and you were in private practice for 13 years before you transitioned into this field of medical informatics and managed care and these things. But what is it about the technology and these new aspects of care that excite you? And then where is the link from there to looking at genetic testing and all those things? Well, I think that when I was doing my training, we got uh, started doing physician order entry, and I just have always loved computers and drifted into managed care administration because that was an opportunity to look at data and to look at how doctors do their work and so forth. Worked for a health system, and then I'm working now for uh, one of the health information technology companies, and we got started looking at uh, medical genetics information. We're not involved in the direct science like a research university is or uh, like the National Institute of Health is. We're interested in some of the mechanics of how uh, some of these tests get coded and billed and passed around. But some of the uh, exciting part is, is just the Human Genome Project and the chance to actually look at the human blueprint. And there are some surprises. Well, you know, as host of primary care today, you can just tell by the nature of the show, we have a lot of physicians, but certainly a lot of primary care physicians and other health care providers who deal with the general public in a general sort of way listening. So taking that into account, it's fascinating for many of us who don't really deal all the time with except maybe the periphery of these genetic studies when we use them in certain sections of our work to see where it's going. So if you could bring us up to date right now, where are we now with the Genome Project, um, you know, all the promise and, and future of healthcare being impacted by this and maybe some of the concerns as well? One of the biggest challenges, especially for primary care and, and really for other specialties, is simply keeping up. The NIH, for example, has a, a registry, the gene test registry, and they have more than 14,000 uh, uh, tests already registered for specific genes. And our sense of the commercial market, of what you can order from a, a laboratory around the corner, is that there's probably three to 4,000 individual tests with panel tests coming at us fast and furious. So when you look at DNA testing and these unseen risks, what do you put as maybe the top risks, the top concerns, or even top benefits of it? Well, let's maybe break the question into three parts. There are screening tests when we look at a population and we're looking at everybody in that population. 
uh, testing newborn babies for conditions or uh, testing actually pregnancies for testing to see if there are genetic problems. Always there's a question of will I find something that, that I won't know what to do with or a, a condition that's a, a serious condition. There are also diagnostic tests, and this is what we are doing in cancer testing when we're looking for particular uh, sensitivities to uh, cancer therapy agents. And then finally, there are what we'll call prognostic uh, or predictive tests that help uh, to uh, know how people might respond uh, to therapy and what their risk for certain conditions are. All of those have the chance of a surprise finding when we're looking at DNA that, that we have a combination of factors or a particularly a serious uh, risk profile uh, that, that, that maybe there isn't always treatment for. And so that's one of the surprises, if you will. So how do we prepare for that? Um, I don't know. Maybe someone's getting tested to see if they have the, we know about the BRCA gene, you know, is ovarian cancer, breast cancer in the family. Could they get that test and then be surprised by more or different information? Or would it be a wider panel that would lead to those surprises? I think the medical community has been working to prepare individuals, particularly in diagnostic testing, for the, some of the kinds of findings that they can uh, discover. BRCA testing that you mentioned for uh, high-risk breast cancer uh, is something that certain women uh, have genetic traits that make them at uh, a much higher risk uh, for breast cancer or breast cancer recurrence, and it tends to run in families. That's important to know because uh, they can have screening more frequently, or like with Angelina Jolie, uh, maybe they make a, a choice to, to make an active intervention uh, much earlier. Well, I'll give you an example because I know you're involved in the managed care side. Had a couple patients, uh, a mother with ovarian cancer, uh, no real other significant cancer history in the family, but one mother with uh, ovarian cancer, they want to get the testing. Is that something you would you recommend, BRCA or other testing for them? Or would you say, well, statistically, that may not be worth it? Or are they fools in today's world not to get it because it's out there? So this is where access to a good genetic counselor or a health plan medical director that's up to speed that has some clarity about what's current in, in ovarian cancer, for example, if they're actually testing the cancer itself for response to treatment, that can be a critical decision of picking an agent that is particular for that uh, individual uh, patient. This is really what we're talking about in the age of personalized medicine, of selecting a treatment that is precisely uh, for that person. That part is extremely exciting because it means that if a, a cancer agent maybe isn't effective for that cancer, that we can figure that out. So you could do it on the treatment side, but on the screening side, is it still a question uh, based of, I guess, statistics and what you're going to find and, and the risk of versus benefit? Is that what you're looking at there? Uh, let's talk about screening for a little bit longer. Uh, one of the surprises is if you have a condition like a neurologic disease or there are certain uh, things that run in families like a neurologic disease that I mentioned is relatively uncommon, it's Huntington's chorea, but that can be a very significant uh, a disease in a family or Tay-Sachs disease or some of these inherited conditions that, that you may not be aware of, that that can change your life around. And some of these don't have great treatment, and so all of a sudden you're in a very different setting. Certain other conditions like a tendency for uh, certain types of heart disease, like thickening of the uh, septum, this 
uh, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy can be life-saving if you understand that you're at a high risk for that because of a, a family disorder. Those sorts of things with maybe some growing evidence that screening for cancer genes uh, for certain types of cancers can be found in screening the general population is a part of what gets into the press of, oh, you should have your genome done. And, and, and we're still kind of figuring out how good are these tests at really predicting that and how reliable are those results. And so that's the other uh, risk that I wanted to mention is that we're still learning how good are these tests. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough. I'm speaking with Dr. Doug Muller. Dr. Muller is Medical Director of McKesson Health Solutions. He is also talking with us today about the unseen risks of DNA testing. It's a fascinating conversation, especially for those of us on the front lines trying to figure out just what exactly to do with the information. Now, clearly part of what you do is you're involved, um, being involved in IT and in being involved with healthcare and CPO and these things. You, the next step is obviously the way we want to use it, which is for quality metrics and maybe changing care and making it more evidence-based, all those things. So I guess you stumbled into this, the genetics area, as an area of interest and also one where you really need to get the data and take large amounts of data to get to some decision-making tools, I would think. Oh, absolutely. One of the big questions is still who's going to pay for this test? And insurance plans are are starting to really struggle because some of these tests can be uh, $3,000 or $4,000 or $5,000 or more. And so they want to be reasonably certain that it's going to make a difference in picking a treatment that really matters. That's called uh, medical necessity. On the other hand, uh, sometimes patients come along and uh, maybe many had a uh, a little bit of Alzheimer's or something, and someone wants to know, well, what's my chance of having Alzheimer's? And, in fact, the genetics for that is, is actually kind of difficult. And so the surprise may be that, that a person may get a test thinking about one thing and have a finding of quite another. Um, and, and that's where uh, having access to some uh, uh, knowledgeable people, not just the Internet, to, to really discuss what's the implication for you as part of of the whole story, and, and having a, a physician or uh, access to physicians in specialties that work with those uh, particular problems that are familiar with the genetics uh, is very exciting and, and also very challenging. You know, you mentioned this twice, so obviously that's an important point to you, and that is the idea of having a geneticist, someone working with you. Uh, are you of the view that if someone is even thinking about a genetic test of some sort, they should seek counseling prior to getting the test so they have something in place? That's actually a great question, and it depends a little bit which category you're in and, and what your temperament for surprises is. A lot of the conditions that I'm talking about are uncommon, and so the chance of having a, a surprise fatal disease in your genes is fairly low, but it's not zero. And so I don't know if I'm saying that everybody should have genetic counseling, but it's something that people should think about uh, before they undergo testing of, of what are the possibilities that something might occur that I'm not expecting. Okay, that's an interesting point. So let's get back. I guess we'll go back to Huntington's one example, but something more common, let's say like a breast or ovarian cancer. We go back to that person who has ovarian cancer and their mother has it. Is that something where they would go to a, a counselor first? Because is that a high enough risk that one first-degree relative has it to see the counselor first? 
for things like breast cancer and BRCA testing, if you have a sister or a mother or other primary relatives that uh, have had breast cancer and you think that you're uh, at a high risk where more frequent screening or things like that or a younger age of onset for screening is important, those tests, we have a lot of population-based statistics that suggest that, that BRCA testing is, is tremendously helpful in helping to change your particular care pattern. And in that case, uh, I think uh, the physicians that work in that area are actually quite knowledgeable in their own specialty for everything that needs to occur. If we're talking about family planning for something that is in the family that's a little bit unusual, that, but that you know is in your family, where you're screening an unborn child or whatever, I think those are the settings where a competent genetic counselor can really help you understand the risk and, and some of the choices about what would you do if the condition that you're looking for is actually present. One of the things that I'm interested in as well, well, obviously we have a national audience in this show, so we have people working in small towns, big cities. So if they're in New York or Philadelphia or Los Angeles, there's certainly great medical centers, but some of the smaller towns, they may not have that. Has telemedicine or telecounseling and genetics gotten to the point where someone maybe in a very small town who has a question could talk to a an expert? Are we at that point yet where that's being done commonly? We're absolutely at that expert. I think that it's more along the lines of telemedicine and a lot of health plans, especially the larger health plans, already have formal relationships with genetic counseling, you know, accredited uh, genetic counseling personnel that an initial interview can uh, be on the telephone. Uh, there may be additional information that can be uh, exchanged based on Internet references. I don't know if with privacy concerns that email, that's not secure email, is a, is a good idea uh, for genetic information. But, but that information uh, by telephone with, with well-trained people is quite available. When do you see in healthcare beyond maybe you know, working at a corporate level like at McKesson or whatever, physicians will really start to use this data and get the goals and success and treatment out of it that they plan? Are we two years away, five years away? I mean, I know it's, it's happening in some places. But oh, for most I, I was going to say it's already happening in oncology. Uh, some of the uh, testing that's done on tumor genetics for colon, for breast, uh, for, uh, for example, uh, estrogen and progesterone receptors in breast are, are fundamental to, to choosing the right treatment. Mm -hmm. There's some very exciting uh, news in the melanoma, wor or, yeah, melanoma world, uh, as well as in uh, some patients with lung cancer, uh, that, that the tumor genetics are particularly susceptible to some very new agents. And so as we start looking at uh, the human blueprint, both the normal part of the human blueprint and the abnormal part, we're starting to have a much, much better understanding of how uh, some of these uh, components of who we are act together and what, what constitutes normal growth, abnormal growth, and, and it's actually quite exciting. Dr. Doug Muller, I really want to thank you for taking the time to join us on Primary Care today. Your insights have been fascinating. We appreciate your time. Of course. Thank you. This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed part of this discussion, please visit ReachMD.com slash today. You can download the podcast and you can learn more about the series. Thank you for listening.